Father, we just come to you this morning and we thank you. God, that we can come, we can stand before you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. God, we thank you that you made a way so that we could stand before you holy and clean. We thank you for the sacrifice that was made. We thank you this morning, Lord, for your presence. We pray that you'd speak to our hearts through your word this morning. We love you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated. We're going to talk about the next experience that Jesus had with the disciples in Matthew chapter 16 after the confession of Peter that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. So we're going to pick up the story in Matthew 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So all along, Jesus has been putting this truth out there that the Son of Man is going to suffer, the Son of Man is going to die, he's going to be betrayed, he's going to be handed over into the authorities, and he's going to go through a difficult death and rise again. But this scripture lets us know that he is intensifying that conversation. And so most likely, in my opinion, knowing how important this is to Jesus, because it's everything about the last uh, year of his life. He just focuses in. He focuses in on Jerusalem. And we know that his going to Jerusalem and suffering to the hands of the scribes, the elders, and the Pharisees, and the priests is such an important thing that he would die, he would be buried, and he would raise the grave. He was beginning to just, with more repetition, share that truth with the disciples. And so they were beginning to hear it time and time again. So I can just envision or I can picture in my mind Peter hearing that and not saying anything. And then Peter hears it again and he doesn't say anything. Then Peter hears it again and he doesn't say anything. He's just kind of taking it in. And I'm sure he's mulling it over. And, and I would imagine that Peter goes off and he and John go to get some bread or they go to get something at the hardware store, they're just going along with their daily errands and taking care of things. And, and Peter just looks over one of the other disciples and says, Now, what do you think about all this about Jesus dying in Jerusalem? What is this about being buried and rose on the third day? What is, what is all that about? And, and you just know in, in the, how that works itself out that there's some conversation that's taken place that is difficult for Peter and he's trying to figure out and it says in verse 22 and Peter took him aside now I don't think that was just immediately I think that that took some time for him to muster up that kind of of, of response and Peter takes Jesus aside and begins to rebuke him saying Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. That's I've had enough statement. I've had enough of this, Lord. I've tolerated this as long as I can tolerate, and I can't tolerate it anymore. This is absolutely enough. 
I'm Peter. I'm the fighter. I'm the warrior. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be a protection for you. There is no way that I'm going to let anything happen to you. And so let's just quit talking about this. Take this foolish matter out of your mind. Don't bring it up again. I'm going to take care of it. Far be it from you, Lord. This shall never happen to you. And so Peter rebukes Jesus. And then Jesus responds. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but you're setting your minds on the things of man. So you have Jesus saying that he is going to suffer at the hands of people. The authority is going to get him. He's going to die and he's going to rise again. Peter says, no. He says, get get behind me, Satan. Jesus looks at Peter and says, you're in the way. Get out of the way, Peter. You're in the way of what God has planned. You're a hindrance. You're Satan. Now, Jesus did not call just anyone Satan. Matter of fact, in in none of the sinful people that he came in contact with, that the religious people were the sinful people that encountered Jesus, did he call Satan. He didn't call anyone Satan that he healed of some disease or some uh, being something crippled in their life. He didn't call them Satan. He called the Pharisees Satan because of their uh, uh, deceiving of the people and of the fact that they were doing ministry for their own selfish gain and their own benefit and their own profits. But he calls Peter Satan. And so that's a really strong statement. That's That's a strong thing for Jesus to say. And so we have to say how important this was to Jesus that Peter understood that Peter was out of line that he was in over a head and there's no way in the world that Peter should be in the way of what God had planned and he was in the way a believer can be well meaning a believer can have good intentions a believer can, can be someone that has made this kind of confession that Peter has made. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I believe in you, Jesus. I'm your child. I'm your servant. A, a believer that worships God. A believer that, that reads the Word. A believer that, that prays. A believer that is mostly obedient in their life. They can be in the way. The truth is, you and I, if we're not careful, we can be in the way. We can get in the way. We can be the roadblock. We can be the stumbling block to whatever it is the Lord desires to do. And Peter found himself in the way. Get behind me. Get out of the way, Peter. Get out of the way, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. 
You're not setting your mind on things of heaven, of things of God, of important matters. Your mind, your focus, your awareness, your understanding are on the things of man. And you need to get out of the way. So, what kind of things cause us to be in the way? Certainly, we can start here with an ignorance. Just ignorance of that. I, I think Peter is is well-meaning, as I've said. I think he meant best. I think he was thinking through things, and he really worked things out, and he walked down the matter with this, and he said, i, I got to help Jesus. i got to get Jesus off this death thing. i got to get Jesus off this suffering thing. We're here to take care of him. We're going to be sure that nothing bad happens to him. I'm going to ease his conscience. Man, ignorance. Now, Peter is making an enablement statement here. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to be there for you. You quit worrying about that. You quit stirring about that. Those are thoughts and those are ideas that you just don't need to be having. He begins to throw out that statement of enablement. Getting in the way. Do you know that when we enable people... When, when God is at work in someone's life and, and, and people are coming to terms with their sin, coming to terms with their you know, hurts, habits, and addictions, they're coming to terms with their situation, and, and we come in and, and we can't stand them hurting, we can't stand them going through that, and we come in and we begin to say things and do things that is in our intentions going to make things better. But in reality, it's just getting in the way of what God is trying to do. And that's Peter in this case. Means well, but he's ignorant to the truth. He is ignorant, innocently ignorant, to the plan that God has to change the world. How about disobedience? Certainly disobedience gets in the way. And people who are disobedient get in the way. How about a lack of faith and how that gets in the way? And how a lack of understanding? And you see that most commonly when someone has, has spent time with the Lord and they have an idea and they have something they believe God wants them to do and they come to you and they say, what do you think about me doing this or that or the other? And you hear what they've got to say and because you've never experienced it, because it's beyond you, because it's a level of faith that you have not yet maintained or grown to or experienced, you say, nah, bad idea. Bad idea. Not going to work out well for you. And you, cold, you pour cold water on what God may have spoken to them about. Instead of massaging the idea. Instead of helping them with the idea. Instead of praying for them about whether or not it is God's Word to them. And we get in the way. And many of us have gotten in the way unknowingly trying to do what we believe is best for someone else. And so be real careful when anyone comes to you with an idea, with an awareness, with an understanding that requires faith. Be real careful. Because if they come to you with an idea that requires faith, 
there is a good possibility that it's from the Lord. And you need to be careful. If it's not from the Lord, it'll take some time. But if they're seeking the Lord and they're going after Him and and they're trying to discover exactly what God is leading them to, God will show up and He will help them understand what they need to understand. But you and I don't need to get in the way of people believing God and trusting God and having faith about something that that God has asked them to do. I mean, where would we be in life? Where would we be in society? Where would we be in the kingdom of God if every idea is suffocated? Every idea that anyone has about doing something that God wants them to do is suppressed. Well, we wouldn't be anywhere. We, we wouldn't have anything. Doing the things of God always require faith. And we've got to be careful that because of our experience, because of our history, because of where we are, that we get in the way of someone else's faith. We need to let it go and see what happens. Be careful of that. Sometimes we get in other people's way Sometimes we get in the Lord's way in the lives of other people because we haven't experienced it. And we're uneasy with someone else's call, someone else's assignment. Security in religion, security in tradition, or past experiences. Or we want to have our own needs met is something that gets in the way. My needs are not being met. My needs, you know, you know, I, I just don't feel like the, the preaching, the teaching, just, it's just not meeting my needs. Well, are you thinking about your needs being met all the time? Well, frankly, yes. I want my needs met. You're in the way. Most likely, God's been communicating to you, but because you've been thinking so much about your own needs being met, you've missed what God's been trying to tell you. And we get in our own way when we have this desire that our needs are met. Because we all go through life and we're not careful being self-absorbed. Thinking about what's best for us. Thinking about what we want to happen. Thinking about what would make most sense to us. Thinking about what's reasonable to us. And we just think about us, 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 and we think about ourselves all the time, and we miss out. A fellow told me this this past week or a week or two ago. He said that he sent me this long text message some time ago, and he was asking about this and this and that and that. He had all these issues going on, and he said, I was so mad when I got your response. I said, well, what was my response? He said, your response was simply you're thinking about yourself too much. And he said, I was at work, and I showed this to a guy I work with, and I said, can you believe my pastor sent that to me? And he was laughing about it now. He said, I was so mad at you then that you would just wouldn't even listen to me, wouldn't even hear me out, and you would just say, you're thinking about yourself too much. Well, the truth of the matter is, when we are thinking about ourselves too much, we get in the way. And if you're thinking about yourself too much, how it affects you, what it means to you, how it's going to impact your life, what it means, well, you're in the way. 
Because your number one ambition, your number one desire, is that your own needs are met. And when we come to Jesus, our needs are not first or second or third or fourth. They're way down the list. We serve for His pleasure. We, we, we seek His plan first and the needs of others long before our own needs. And we're too self-absorbed. We're too selfish. And we're in the way. We're in the way when we're controlled by fear, when we're controlled by worry. When we overanalyze things, we are in the way. Sometimes people get information, see the circumstances, they're seeking the work of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit may do, and they question it to death, and they question it to death, and they've got to have this answered, and they've got that answered, and they've got to have every detail clearly lined out before they move forward in faith and do what God's asking them to do. And that's, that old slogan is absolutely true. Overanalysis creates paralysis. And there's a lot of Christian people well-meaning in the way of what God is wanting to do in their life, in their church's life, because they've got to have everything answered and everything figured out, and it just doesn't happen that way. That's not the way God works with us. We don't move forward with understanding. We move forward with faith. And so you're not going to have everything spelled out. You're not going to understand everything. And if you're always just sabotaging the work of the Lord, trying to figure everything out, you're in the way. You're in the way of God working through you. You're in the way of God working through your group. You're in the way of God working in your church. You're in the way of God working in your community, perhaps. You have no idea what you're missing out on because you're in the way. In the way of what God wants to do. Pride, feelings are more important than truth. Our opinions are more important than truth. What we think, what we say, what we believe matters more than truth. And, and, and we're, we're sadly mistaken. Perhaps we're deceived, innocently deceived, innocently you know, uh, ignorant about what God wants. And our opinions drive the boat. Misplaced priorities. Holding grudges gets in the way of what God wants. A prejudice gets in the way. Hypocrisy gets in the way. When we fail to agree with each other, when we, are, when we fail to agree in the Lord about His mission, and we, we fail to be reconciled with each other, and we hold a grudge, we're in the way of what God wants to do. And it could be that God is desiring to move in your midst and move in your family and move in your life and move in your church, but He's holding back because of the grudges that you're holding on to. You want to be seen as right. You want to be appreciated. You want to be seen as important. You want to be seen as in the know of the one who had the idea. And you're holding on to that. And God's saying, I'll give you your own way. I'll let you figure this out. I'll let you ride that truck. I'll let you ride that boat. I'll let you do whatever you want to do. But my, I'm going to withhold what I want to do until you get yourself together. I mean, that, Jesus is really strong with Peter. He says, Peter, you're in the way, boy. 
You don't know what you're talking about and you're in the way. Get out of the way. Quit being a hindrance to me. And when we fail to agree with each other in the Lord, when we choose not to be reconciled for the cause of Christ, we get in the way. We get in the way. One of the things that also cause people to get in the way is, is some people are in charge of their world all week long. They think they are. And when they come to the church house, they're not in charge and they get in the way. They can't handle not being in charge. Of course, they're really deceived about the rest of the week too. They're not in charge there either. They just think they are. Issues happen. Events take place. Problems with people occur. And you just can't get over it. You get in the way. I've discovered in, in church life that conflict shows up in all kinds of ways. Red carpet only. Red pews only for the blood of Christ. And if you have a church building, it must have red carpet and red pews. That controversy is not as strong as it used to be. But if you go to church that hasn't remodeled since 1965, guess what color carpet they're going to have? They have red carpet. They have red pews. You know why? Only color you can have. You probably discovered that hymnals cause trouble. Many controversies have been held over hymnals. Not only hymnals and the use of hymnals, but the hymnal that you use. It's got to be the 1975 edition, no, the 1991 edition. No, it's got to be the family, uh, family for the faith people of God it's got to be this hymnal this hymnal this hymnal and people are just absolutely just upside down divided there's stumbling blocks all over the place over hymnals Lord help us no hymnal no hymn can be sung that was written prior to 1850 only new stuff that's all we're going to have. Only hymns written before 1850 can be sung. And so people, they draw lines. They have a disagreement. There's a controversy. How old the hymns have got to be in the church? Well, you know what happened with that. We've all gone through the worship wars in the past several years, many years ago, and people are just divided. And, and there are people that don't serve the Lord at all because of hymns. God never wanted that to happen. And God says, you're, you're in the way. Good gracious, if you're singing to me, then just sing to me and get out of your own way. Baptism practices. Who baptizes? When you baptize? And what you say when you baptize. You need to say in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit appropriately or use John 6, Romans 6, 4 and say, bear with Christ, raise up, walk in newness of life. That's what I say. Just so there's no controversy with the baptism. But it's amazing. People got caught up in that. How you baptize, immersion, sprinkling, pouring. Infant baptism was a big controversy a long, long time ago, and, and people were, were uh, executed because of it. Now, the Bible clearly tells us believers' baptism. 
But we should never get in the way of the cause of Christ over the practice of baptism. Never. Raising hands in church. For it or against it. Makeup or no makeup. Big controversy about 30, 40 years ago, especially in the charismatic churches. If, you, if you'll watch the charismatic churches on TV, you'll see very clearly that you've got makeup and no makeup. And the ones that have makeup typically have heavy makeup. They're making up for those who have no makeup. And, and I'll be honest with you, some need makeup. It's a practical matter. Colors on walls. Oh my. Colors of carpet. Man. How about singing Amazing Grace to the tune of the House of the Rising Sun? Ooh, I remember that one. Holy cow, you'd have thought that. Oh my goodness, that was a that never never dreamed. Decision making methods, Bible translations, faith versus works, handling people problems, not handling people problems, the way you handle people problems. Sunday school class gets a people problem going on. It's got to be handled. And before long, the whole thing is just like two rams knocking each other out. And what usually usually results is hard feelings, hard feelings, broken relationships, and just a lack of honoring Christ. Because we just can't get over whatever happened and however whatever happened was handled. I'm here to tell you, you come stand where I stand, you come walk in my shoes for a while, you will learn very quickly that when you have people problems, there are three mistakes you make. One is if you don't handle the problem, it's a mistake. Number two, if you do handle the problem the wrong way, it's a mistake. And number three, if you handle the problem the wrong way, it's still a mistake. You can't win that deal. You've taken a side. You've picked a side. You said something harsh to them. You didn't say what you needed to say and how you needed to say it. You said the truth, but it's the way you said it. It was taken wrong. And before long, all these people that are involved in this conflict in this controversy are just like Peter in the way of what God wants to do in the way so I want to just question you and I want to question me today are you like Peter do you transition so quick from a wonderful victory of confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and then just almost immediately you go through, through that climax of spiritual victory to the place of being in the way of what God wants to do in your life and in others' lives around you. We're just like Peter. We're guilty. 
We've got to be alert to this. We, we've got to really, man, we've, we've got to stand strong about this. We've got to ask ourselves some hard questions. Am I in the way? Am I ignorantly in the way? Are, are my opinions in the way? Is what I want in the way? Am I seeking to have my own needs met? Am I in the way? Lord, am I in the way? Because I don't imagine any of us want to be in the way. But if we're not careful, we'll all be in the way at time or another. Are you in the way of what God wants to do? Now, there's a new controversy that is brewing. And it's going to impact all kinds of churches. You watch. This is, I will say this like a Jeremiah the prophet says. We are about to experience in the, in the church a controversy that may be the controversy of all controversies for the last 10 years. You know what it is? Mask versus no mask. It's coming. It's already here. I've heard it a lot. I mean, I've, I've heard people say, they, they just ain't coming to church. Why? You, you, you want me to wear a mask? When you, I'll, start, I'll come back to church when I don't have to wear a mask. And, and, and you know what? I get it. I understand. I've been going through this deal and looking at all the rules and looking at all the things they tell you and how they do this and how they do that and what they're going to do and when you do it. And I've, I've watched them change their mind all the time. For instance, you know this week, they had, the CDC has, has sent out the report that the chance of getting this virus off a surface is highly, their words, not mine, highly unlikely. You've got to be kidding me. We've been cleaning everything down to the nub. I, I mean, I go get groceries, bring it home, and, and, and my two girls, they've got the sanitary wipes out, and they're wiping all the bags and stuff. Wiping all the surfaces. There's no telling how much antibacterial stuff has just been absolutely wasted. That's them deciding that. And so people, well-meaning, they get divided on something like this, and the purpose of Christ is going to be in, in it's going to be harmed in people's lives. Because of mask or no mask. Mask and anti-mask. Lord, help us. i tell you something else that's crazy that came out this week. They've been saying all along that there's no, there's no study, there's no information out there that's telling us that this thing's got immunity. And Harvard released this week, it has immunity. You mean to tell me? We've been, let me tell you something else I heard this week, and this will blow you away, and it, it may or may not blow you away. So this reporter asked this doctor, this science man, uh, so are you still, in, they were talking about masks, how to wear the mask, how the mask works, what it functions, what it does, what it doesn't do. You've heard it's not for you, it's for others. You've heard that all your time, right? Well, this guy was going, and said, well, you know, it leaks, it, it's... People, don't, you've got to change it all the time. And it's, so she finally boils him on down and she says, so let me ask you something. Are you for or against the mask? He says, well, if you cannot manage six foot distancing, then you need to wear a mask. And she said, wait a minute, you mean 
If I'm six foot foot, if I'm six foot away from everyone, he said, you don't need to wear a mask if you're six foot away from everyone. And when I heard that, oh, ah, man, we have gone through all this crud over six feet. And now that fella right there, and I don't know where he went to school. I don't know what kind of doctor he is. I don't know what he made in biology 101. I'm not sure about his pedigree. I don't even remember his name, but he's on national TV saying that if you're six foot away from people, you don't need to wear a mask. Man, I, I got angry. I got mad about it. Not so much because I don't want to wear a mask or I don't care what this going on, but I'm so fed up with all the conversation about mask or not a mask. I don't care. I mean, they tell you, what are they going to tell me this next week? You know, now, now, I know I'm being hard on the CDC and all those people and, and all that scientific information. I'm not a scientist, but when a doctor tells me something, Man, I listen to them unless it costs a lot of money. <laughs> and then if it's going to cost me a lot of money, I'm not going to do their tests. It's just, that's just me, if I think I can get by without it. But how it's going to impact the body of Christ is scary to me. We, we're already seeing it. We, you know, we, we, we're going to go through rebuilding a church over mask or anti-mask. And I don't believe our Lord will endorse that. You see, when, when you're at odds with someone else over an issue, mask or anti-mask, there is room for discussion on both sides and, and just get in a room and two scientists have at it and come out and let me have an answer. And, and whatever your answer is, I'll think about it. Right? That's my position. That's my stance. But, but come to a conclusion and stay with it even if you're wrong. That's what I'm thinking. But in the church, among brothers and sisters of the Lord, the purpose and the mission of Christ is far more significant and far more important than whether or not you wear a mask or you don't wear a mask. And it ought not to be something that gets in the way of the mission of Christ. And that's what Jesus is telling Peter. Listen, the mission of Christ is important. Jesus must suffer. He must be executed. He must die. And He must rise again. Because Peter, if you prevent that, you're going to get what you think you need to get, and you're going to get what you think is good for me, but it's not God's plan. Can you imagine how it would have been if Peter got his own way at that point? Can you imagine how it would be? Where would we be if Peter got his own way? Now, where would we be if I got my own way and you got your own way, there's only one way that we need to be concerned with, and that's the way of our Lord. His way is always right, and His way is always best. I will now go sit down and put my mask on.
and I will do my best to stay six feet away from everyone that wants to stay six feet away from me until they tell me something different officially. But for gosh sakes, let us not let mask or anti-mask get in the way of loving God and loving our brothers and sisters and doing what God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, help us. Show us. Guide us. May your will be done in us all. In Jesus' name, amen.